There are a lot of people who don't like public speaking. Personally, I don't understand why. It's great. It's so easy. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. It can be nerve-wracking. It doesn't really come easy to anybody. Um, sharing in front of others, talking in front of others, what usually happens is we think about, oh, what are people going to say? What are people going to say? Oh, he talks too fast. Oh, he talks too slow. Oh, why is he using his hands like that? Why is he... Why isn't he using his hands? Like, why is he taking his glasses off? Why is he putting back on? Like, all the, like, every little nitpicky thing you imagine you've thought about someone else speaking, you're like, oh my gosh, they're thinking that about me. What is going on right now? Or, even more, it might be like, I have nothing to say. Who am I to share in front of anybody else? Who am I to speak in front of anybody else? Why should I be up there? Just because, though... Just because we don't feel worthy doesn't mean we have nothing to say. And it takes a step of faith to open ourselves up to that possibility. My friends, we are finishing our series on first steps, on the first steps of faith in this new year. The first step of faith is to realize that you are loved by God and God desires for you a life of total love. The second step is to receive the mercy of God, receive the community of the body of Christ, receive the Holy Spirit in your life. The third step is to, in turn, bless others. Bless others with service. Bless others with your presence. Not because you are so awesome, but because God is so awesome. To bless others out of faith, because you have more faith in the God who is saving you than you do in yourself. Today, we're going to look at the fourth step which is to speak about what God has done in your life. And this means describing the freedom you have by faith. And faith works twice in that. The freedom you have by faith, the freedom that faith gives you, but also the freedom you have by faith, speaking with faith. It takes faith to speak of what God has done in your life. It takes faith to believe that people aren't going to laugh at you. Or it takes, as well, it takes faith to believe that even if people laugh at you, that doesn't really matter because God is with you. In almost any circumstance, we feel like we can feel trapped by forces outside of our control. Or maybe we feel like trapped by our own action or inaction or a perennial inability to be free. We feel that choices beyond ourselves are deciding our life, but the freedom Christ offers us is not dependent on the choices of other people in our life. The freedom Christ offers us comes in any moment. And to speak of it, to say that I don't have to be that person that other people say that I am. Or I don't have to be that person that I think that I am in my worst moments. I don't have to be the person my friends or my parents or my spouse or anybody thinks that I am. I am a beloved child of God. I don't need to turn inwardly constantly and think only of myself. I am a beloved child. Child of God, to say that, that is worth speaking about. That is good news. In the Gospel of Luke, in the reading for today, Jesus gets right to preaching. If you look at the other other Gospels um, in, in Mark and in Matthew and even in John a little bit, between Jesus' temptations in the wilderness, that happens earlier in the chapter 4, there's usually a passage about John the Baptist, about either John's death, or in Mark it gets really gruesome, his beheading, and goes into a lot of details if you like that kind of thing. But in, in Luke, it just goes right to preaching. Jesus starts teaching, and then he gets to Nazareth, and he starts sharing and talking about God. 
In this passage, he, he goes to the synagogue and he finds the scroll for Isaiah 61. That was not the reading that Audrey did. You did great. There's going to actually be three readings from Isaiah. I just like lots of Bible spoken out. And so it's great. You get lots of Isaiah today. It's fantastic. Um, but he picks Isaiah 61, which in like super minutia detail. So I'm going to go like super nerd out on you for a second. All right. So second, this is the second temple period of, of Judaism. And so after the temple is destroyed in, um, in about 69 or 70 AD, it becomes like the, um, the rabbinic period. And that's kind of like ends up to where we are today. And so it's how do you be a Jew without a temple? And so one of those aspects is having the Torah readings, the daily Torah readings. Um, and usually with a Torah reading, there will be a hafkalah, which is a reading from one of the prophets or one of the wisdom that goes with the Torah reading. And so Isaiah 69, 61 is not one of the hafkalah. It was not one of the readings that would have been assigned for the day. So it wasn't like, okay, it's your turn, Jesus. Jesus chose this. Jesus chose this reading. It's, it is a powerful word. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has, he has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted. What a powerful phrase, to bind the broken heart. Taking that, that metaphor literally. When you have a broken heart, it needs to be bound again. And that is the good news being shared. To proclaim liberty to captives and release to prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor which is the Jubilee, which is something that would be pretty great in our debt-ridden society. <laughs> a Jubilee is a forgiveness of all debts. All of it. Wiping clean. It was supposed to happen every 50 years. I honestly don't think it ever happened. It was kind of a goal. But, but, that was, but how powerful is that? The contracts that you have, the debt to your name is not who you are. Your credit rating is not who you are. You are a beloved child of God. And the amazing thing is that our freedom is not just for us. To, for me to be free does not mean that my neighbor must be in captivity. More than this, if we fixate too much on our own purity at the expense of our neighbors, we act against God's will. As Isaiah says earlier in, in chapter 58 of, of the book of Isaiah, is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of injustice? to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you for the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Now, I don't often like military metaphors. I've, I've never been in the military, but I know it's usually very different than the kind of cheeky metaphors that are often thrown around. A lot of you are veterans and probably can understand that too. But I really like this one. <laughs> the glory of the Lord is our rear guard. The rear guard keeps our flank. The rear guard keeps us so when we go forward into uncertain area, we are protected. We are not on our own. We're not going to be encircled. And when, so when we speak, God is with us. And the example of scripture over and over again never really has God calling these amazing orators. It's always like 
people who are, who are pretty bad at talking in front of other people. It's usually people who are really nervous, who are unsure of what they're going to do. They're like, really, me? Over and over again, me, God? Like, me, God, has to be one of the most used verses in scripture, over and over again. As a quick, me, God, really? I mean, you start, start with Moses. So one of the things that's often overlooked with Moses is that he didn't speak the language of the Hebrew people. He grew up as an Egyptian in the house of Pharaoh. He, you know, he kills the Egyptian, he kills the, the overseer and then flees to the people of Midian. And they, it was probably a Semitic language, but very different from the language of the Hebrew people. And so a lot of his nerves is going in front of a people claiming that you are my people and God has sent me to set you free, but I can't speak your language. That's hard. <laughs> and if you've ever learned a language other than English, or you've ever learned English, you know, learning a language is challenging. It is not easy to do. It is hard and nerve-wracking, and it takes time. And so often, learning a language means being willing to look like a fool. And you have to be willing to look like a fool in order to really learn what's going on. You have to step out and practice with someone, and they're going to correct you. And they're going to say, that's wrong. And that can hurt for a lot of us. I don't think anybody likes to be told they're wrong. There's no, like, no one ever is like, oh, I love being told I'm wrong over and over again. No. <laughs> but it takes, you have to learn to be corrected. It is a habit. It is a habit to build up of this practice. And eventually, and eventually you'll get it. But you have to go through the trudges, the trenches of, using another military metaphor, the, the trenches of learning a language, of that, of that vulnerability. And so often it's the same thing with speaking of your faith. If you don't practice it, you're never going to learn. And you're never going to be able to share what God offers for us. Jeremiah is similar. Jeremiah thinks he has nothing to say. Jeremiah thinks that he is too young. Who am I? But God says to him, do not say I am only a boy. For you shall go to all to whom I send you. And you, you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. God is with us. Or in John chapter 9, which is one of my favorite examples of the gospel, the good news. And it's a really long chapter. Uh, usually when Jesus does a miracle story, it's kind, of, it's kind of brief. And it's like, he goes here, he heals this guy, he moves on. He goes here, he heals this girl, he moves on. But John chapter 9 goes on and on and on about the story of this man who is born blind who is healed. And so this kind of like moving on and on and the people who are like, I don't believe you. And they go out to another person like, I don't believe you. And it's like the second time they come back to the man born blind. And I love this. He says, I do not know whether he is a sinner. This Jesus. But what I do know is I once was blind and now I see. I'm not going to make any explanations about like the big cosmological issue going on, but I know what happened in my life. I once was blind, and now I see. That is good news. That is evangelism at its core. Speaking of God is not about fancy words. It's not about knowing Greek or Hebrew. It's not about knowing the Bible backwards and forwards. It's not about thinking you have the most upstanding life ever. It's not about not ever making a mistake. It is knowing that once I was blind, but now I see. I mean, most of the New Testament is written in a super plain language. It's, so, it's lost to us now, speaking a different language. But Koine Greek, the Greek of the New Testament, is common Greek. It was the Greek of the marketplace. It wasn't the Greek of the educated people. 
It was the Greeks of the commoners. It was the Greeks you talked to your mom, the language you talked to your mom and dad with, not the language you talked to lords and ladies with. It was the Greek of the people, the language of the people. That is how the good news of Jesus was shared. And even more than that, Paul goes on to say, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me for whenever I am weak, then I am strong. What does it sound like to boast in our weakness? To boast that we cannot save ourselves because that is what good news is. We may not want to share it because it means vulnerability. It means saying that, you know what? I'm not going to figure this life thing out by myself. I'm not going to make all the right decisions by myself apart from other people. I'm not going to raise the most perfect children ever by myself. I'm not going to be the greatest pastor in the world by myself. And yet when I am weak, I am strong. And this is not a presentation of faith. This is not a stamping of a cross or a fish on something to sell it to the Christian demographic. It's not a performance. This is not what Paul is talking about. It's not like presenting your online profile in the perfect way and having the perfectly framed photos and and everything going well and showing it's all well-lit and gorgeous and your family looks like they're always happy. Like, that's not what Paul is talking about. (laughs) Because if our story and what we say does not speak of our need for God, we are not talking about God. If the story of our faith is that we've never really been in need, then that isn't a story of faith. So let us take the step of faith by, by speaking honestly. Now we're going to have a moment, a little bit, to share with one another. And I want, us, I want us to pray, and I want you to be able to find someone next to you. And if it's someone, it can be someone you don't know or someone you, you know. I'm not going to be, no, no judgment with that. So speak of, one, speak of one way that God has freed you. What, just one way. Speak of one way in your entire life that you have felt freedom. God. And if you haven't, that's okay. Like, this, is not, this is not a test. You can, like, I think it's amazingly vulnerable and open to be in a church and say, I cannot answer that question. Like, that takes a lot of courage, and that is beautiful. But speaking of faith is like learning a language. It is a habit that you have to build up and practice. Remember that God is your rear guard. God is protecting you. Remember that those who have come here today have stayed out of love. All of you could have left by now, but you didn't. You could have been like, where's Vicky? I'm going. No, you didn't. (laughs) You stayed. So there's a reason why you stayed. Do you know the love of God in your heart? Do you know the mercy of God in your soul? Have you ever been blind and now you see? Have you ever been lost and now you're found? It takes a step of faith to admit that. It takes a step of faith to share that. So usually I ask you to move around, but this is something, it can, it can be vulnerable. Share with someone who's really close to you. And I'm going to do, yeah, I'm going to do about two minutes. I'm going to set a timer. And so I want to do this kind of murmuring time. And so we're going to start now.
going to bring it on back. You can always, you know, it's, you can talk to people outside of church. This is also a possibility. Um, if you started something, you can continue the conversation. Language. It's one thing to share with a person at church. You may think it is another to share with a stranger. And usually that's what if, when people mention evangelism. It's like, oh, no, how can I talk to a stranger about my faith? You know, what are they going to say? So often we expect sharing to be with strangers, but that is not where our stories have much impact. That doesn't happen so often in, um, in the Gospels. Jesus goes, you know, he's in northern Galilee first. He goes to Nazareth first. He goes to the place where he grow, grew up. He goes to the places where he knew people. It is with the people we already know that our stories of faith have impact, have, have a matter, because there's already, our lives are already ingrained with theirs. What can it look like to speak of your freedom with someone who knows you and loves you? Who will listen to you and pay attention to you, but someone who may not know the mercy of God in their life? We're called not to go out and find the righteous, but those who are lost. God is sending us to speak by faith, and that does not begin door to door. It begins thinking of people in our life who are in need of a little hope. Thinking of people in our life who are struggling to fit it all together, who are struggling because they think they have to save themselves. And not like offering a panacea, but sharing that story, just like the blind man. I don't know if he was a sinner, but I once was lost, and now I am found. I once was blind, and now I see. Not to share someone else's story. So often we think, well, those other people, they have, they have such cool stories. They have these amazing conversion experiences. They were like Paul. They were, they were blinded. There was lightning, and there was crowds and all that. It's like, what, what about me? Like, mine isn't that great. It, it is great. Your story is great because the same God who is with those people with the awesome conversion story is with you. It's not a different God. It's not a different God for people with cool stories and then another a, a God for lame stories. Like, that's not how it works. <laughs> it's the same miraculous God who is working in mysterious ways. And if that God is working through you, that is a story worth sharing. Your story of how once you were lost and now you're found. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.